Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. This whole year we've been talking about moving forward and uh, growing in Christ and just really expecting more from God in our walk with the Lord. And uh, so we're just backing up and making sure that we're, we're setting a good foundation, a good uh, stable foundation for the Lord to really pour out blessing on our lives. Now... Today, every week, we've been asking a question, you know, whether it has had, since you believed, have you been baptized, since you believed, are you growing, uh, whatever that case may be. And today, we're going to ask the question that says, since you've believed, are you living with expectation of Christ's return? Since you've believed, are you living with expectation of Christ's return? And we're going to see in today's message that the answer of this question, the answer that you have personally to this question, the answer that we have collectively as a church, uh, could have a great impact on our lives, on the rest of our Christian walk. And, uh, you know, we often speak about expectation, don't we? Uh, we always talk about, you know, what we're expecting from the Lord. We, we expect and we really challenge and encourage you that when you come to church, that you don't come with the expectation that you're just coming to the mundane, the normal, the monotonous, the routine. But we challenge you when you're at home in the morning, getting ready, that you're praying, that you're saying, God, what are you going to do in the service today? What are you going to do uh, through the ministry of worship or through the word? How are you going to move in the lives of our children today? How will they be challenged as Pastor Glenn and his team are ministering to them? How are you going to, what are you going to do, Lord? We don't know. We just, we want to be a part of what you're doing. So we challenge you, you know, to, to just expect God to show up, that he's going to unleash his presence, that he's going to bless beyond our wildest dreams, and that we're going to be refreshed and restored according to his promise. And uh, we also challenge you, hey, when you pray, pray expecting that the heart of God is going to be moved by our faith, that we've come to him and said, Lord, we can't do this on our own. We need you. And that as a result, he's going to send the healing that we need. He's going to send the provision. He's going to send the breakthrough and deliverance. And just let me say to you this morning that an expectation of God we could end the sentence there. We don't have to add any other uh, amendments to that or conditions, but just an expectation of God is life-changing. Just if you say, I'm expecting God to, however you fill in the rest of that blank, that will change your life. But more specifically today, we want to focus on how having an expectation for the return of Jesus will transform your Christian walk and it'll be very challenging for you and uh, it'll set you up for growth as a believer. Now, you may be here today and you're like me. And, you know, you've heard about the return of Jesus all of your life. You know, it's been something that you've, you've, uh, you've heard preached, taught several times. Perhaps you've been scared to death with it a few times. Um, but nonetheless, you've heard about it all your life. 
You may be here this morning, you may be brand new to the faith, you may be watching online and just trying to figure out what this whole Christian thing is about. And you know, you've heard about Jesus, maybe you've heard about the cross, his substitutional death and things like that, but to be honest, you weren't really sure, you weren't aware that the return of Christ was something that we as believers should even be anticipating. And moreover, you don't really know what that's all about. And, uh, you know, there may be some of you here this morning that you're somewhere in the middle. Maybe you've heard about it, but you don't understand all the dynamics of it and all the particulars about it. Well, our aim this morning, number one, is if you haven't heard about that, is to inform you that Jesus is coming again one day. And if you maybe have known about it or very familiar with it, we want to remind you because that is one of those areas in our lives where we can just get so accustomed to the routines and the, and the rigors of life that it kind of gets on the back burner a little bit. We don't think about it as often or as much maybe as we have at one point. So I want to refresh that in your mind and call to remembrance and, and call to the forefront of your thoughts and anticipation that Jesus could return. Say, when might he return? Well, he might return before I finish this message. He may return before you make it home, and that's not a bad thing. He, he may, you know, at the appointed time, next Sunday, 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., it's all over the internet, everybody knows it, that we have service at those times. It is very possible that there would be a group of people in this place that are here who have busted down the doors. They are wanting to hear a good word and they have come and filled this place beyond capacity. But I hope and pray that none of us are here to see it. Amen? So, I want to remind you this morning of the things that will be brought to bear in our lives if we are living with the expectation, a sincere expectation regarding the return of Jesus. And you say, well, Pastor, why should I be expecting that? You should be expecting that because Jesus promised his return. John chapter 14, we begin in the first few verses, and you've got all of these references in your notes. If you look on the back of your bulletin, there's some notes there. Uh, hopefully they're helpful for connect group discussions or your own personal study. But you've got all of these uh, references that are there, and I trust that you'll use them in your personal study time and go back and review this message and encourage your heart with it and allow the Spirit to minister more to you on this topic. Um, but in John 14, the first few verses here, Jesus is speaking to his disciples um, about the continued work of his life and his ministry after his work here on earth. And he says this to them. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me so that you may also be where I am. Now, we hear this same thing echoed again by angelic messengers at the time of Jesus' ascension. Uh, Jesus has died, been buried, resurrected, and has shown himself alive to many people. And they're all following him. They're gathered around. Now I want you to put yourself here in this place for just a minute. If you can imagine that you are walking with the resurrected Jesus. Okay, we're already just standing around going. Right? 
We just can't believe it. I mean, we saw the whole thing go down. We saw the beating, we saw the crucifixion, we saw the buried body, and now here he is standing before us, instructing us. It's amazing. That in and of itself is absolutely amazing. But now to add on the top of that, we see him being physically ascended into heaven. What are you doing in that moment? I can tell you what I'm doing in that moment. I mean, this is like Ripley's doesn't have anything on this. You know, you, you've not seen anything in one of those museums that even compares or comes close to what you're witnessing here in this moment. Jesus is ascending into heaven. And they're standing there looking just like we would be. And angelic messengers are there and they say, men of Galilee... Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. Now I want to preface this message today with these words and that is to say to you that we live in a society today that is inundated. You can't even, like today, guys, you're going to go home and you're going to turn on the tube and you're going to be expecting to see a football game. Come on, how many of you are going to watch the Sunday evening game? Yeah, yeah. So you're going to be sitting there, you're going to be anticipating that. Do you know what my least favorite thing in the football game is? Do you know what my least favorite thing about the HGTV program is? that I can't watch one of those programs without seeing commercials that almost scare the wits out of me. Like every other commercial that comes on has these demonic undertones and our world is just absolutely inundated and infatuated with all things apocalyptic. It's, it's all about the end of the world, the end of time, and doomsday, and zombies, and all these things, and we see it all the time. And I believe that it is an affront of the adversary that is there to desensitize us to the reality that one day, one day Jesus is coming again. And I, I, further, I believe it's a plot of the adversary to make this message sound like another sci-fi thriller instead of the truth of God's word. But it is the truth. It is the truth and Jesus makes it clear. And if you've got your you know, notes with you, jot down Matthew 24. I want you to read that sometime. Because in that, Jesus makes it clear that there will be an end of this age. There will be an end of the age of grace and God's judgment will be poured out on this earth. But before that judgment is carried out and the thing that will usher that judgment into the world, however, will be the return of Jesus to resurrect the sainted dead and then to catch up those who are alive and remain from the earth. And both the resurrected uh, saints and the Christians who are alive at the time of his coming will be given new bodies and then we'll go to heaven to be with Jesus. And we'll say more about this a little later. And you may have heard the terminology used to describe this event. It's a single word, and we call it the rapture. 
And you may be a Bible student here this morning and you're, you know, you like the end time stuff and you're really into it. And you'd say, well, pastor, I've read my Bible through several times and I have never once found this rapture that people speak of. Well, you won't find the word rapture as such in the Bible. It's not there, but the concept is clear. The reality of it is present. And you see, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, we find a Greek word there, harpazo, and it means to snatch away. And it's translated in the scripture to read, to be caught up. Paul says that we're going to be caught up with the Lord. Now, I've often had to ponder, will it really happen and we're going to leave behind neatly folded stacks of clothes? as they portray in the movies or not. I don't know that it'll necessarily be that way. <laughs> Can I just caution you here, and I, I didn't in the first service and I thought I, would, I should have, but as you study the issue of end times and prophetic things and the rapture of the church, use something a little stronger than open resourcing on the internet because there's some really wacky things out there and you don't need to get caught up in that. Look to the word of the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to minister truth to you. Now, this word, you know, it's hard to explain as an event as the great caught up. So through the years, theologians have come up and they've found the term in our English language that is the most synonymous with that. And they've applied the title rapture to this event this occasion and the word rapture means to seize by violence and the word violence there it's not necessarily to indicate you know blood and gore and all those things that we usually associate with violence but it's just the nature of the event it's going to be so abrupt and so quick and it's it's going to happen so readily and rapidly so positively and absolute the evacuation of the saints of the lord from the earth that it's just like Violent. It's like a storm that comes up and it's just so quick. The New Testament explains this phenomenon this way. Peter says this in, in 2 Peter. He says that it's going to be the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Peter, uh, Paul echoes that to the Thessalonians and he says that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. To the Corinthian church, he says, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Now, I wish for more time today to more thoroughly explore this topic with you, but for the purpose of today's message, I want to show you why it's important that you and I live as individuals and as a church with the expectation of Jesus' return as we move forward in our faith. Number one, because for you and I, the return of Christ is hope for the hurting. The return of Christ is hope for the hurting. It's a seasoning for the grief that we bear in this life. You and I, as we assess the hardships and the difficulties of this life and the things that it brings into our lives, we're to look on that not just with the physical perspective, but the eternal perspective as well, that one day Jesus is coming again. As a matter of fact, 
the Thessalonians had written to Paul and they said, Paul, you know, we believe in the work of Jesus and we believe in the redemptive power of Christ. But some of our you know, fellow believers, our loved ones, they've died, they've passed away. What do we say about these things? You know, we were living with the expectation of Christ's return, but now they've died. Is all lost for them? They still good? What's, what's up with that? And Paul writes back to them, 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning in verse 13, and says this, Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. There's that word. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You're going through a hard time right now. Here, let me encourage you. Jesus is coming. You're, you're facing some hardship, the loss of a loved one. Let me tell you something. Jesus is coming. Let me encourage you today and say to you that this life is not all there is. Jesus is coming. Now, it's the redemption of what was lost. Listen, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 51. I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we'll be changed in a flash. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. In other words, that thing that death seemingly had conquered, that thing that seemingly death had ushered in defeat over, one day when Jesus comes back again, it will be resurrected, it will be remade, restored, and renewed, and brought up to live with Jesus forever. I love the words of the old hymn that sings about when the body and the soul are united, changed in the twinkling of an eye. It's the culmination, this thing, the rapture of the church. It's the culmination, more or less, of the victory that we have in Jesus. Listen as Paul continues here in 1 Corinthians 15. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as I said, it's, it's this thing of the Lord's return. It's the payoff for hardships. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, a few verses earlier, If only for this life we had hope in Christ, we are uh, of all people most to be pitied. He finalizes that chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, with these words, and he says this, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. 
I'm having a hard time. Let God, don't let that move you. I've suffered loss. Don't let that move you. I'm discouraged. Don't let that get, keep on keeping on because one day the trumpet's going to sound. The Lord's going to descend and he's going to make things right. Keep on keeping on. Your work is not going to be in vain. The expectation of Christ's return is a catalyst for holy living. Second Peter chapter 3, Peter writes these words beginning in verse 14. And he says, so then, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, he's talking about the return of Jesus, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that your Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all of his letters, speaking to them on these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawlessness and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. You've got this hope because you have this expectation. Because of that, guard yourself. Don't let yourself fall into the traps of the adversary. Don't let yourself be pulled away by the, by the lies of the enemy and the half-truths of false doctrine. Stand firm. John puts it this way in his epistle to the church, 1 John 3. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And John continues and says, for everyone who has this hope purifies himself. I used to ask my mom a lot of times, I'd say, can I go and do this thing? All of my friends are going to do this thing. Can I go do this thing? And she'd say, well, I don't know. Is that the thing you'd want to be doing if the Lord came back? It's a thought. See, sometimes there's a great many things that Christians, I believe, are entangled in, engaged with, that necessarily doesn't blot our names out of the book of life, but it may not necessarily be the thing we want to be doing when Jesus comes back. You know, he's coming back for a church that is pure, without spot, and without wrinkle. And I'm not calling you to a life of legalism this morning. I'm calling you to a life of expectation that will be transformational in the way that you and I make our decisions about the things in which we're going to engage as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want to live right? I'm not encouraging you with fear. Oh man, I've heard this message preached so many different ways about the return of Jesus. But can I tell you that perfect love casts out all fear? And the word says that we are to love his appearing, that we're to long for his appearing. I'm going to tell you, I'm not longing or looking for, expecting anything that I'm afraid of. 
I am expecting the culmination of the redemptive work of Christ to be brought to bear in my life. I'm excited about the return of Jesus. Are you excited about the return of Jesus? Man, I'm going to tell you, when I was a teenager, I used to pray all the time. And I'd say, Lord, don't come before I get my driver's license, man. It's just, you know, I want to have that experience. You you, you laugh at that, but I had a great-grandmother. She lived well into her 90s, and, and she lived, man, I'm telling you, she lived with the expectation that Jesus was coming. Any day, every day, and I just kept thinking to myself, man, she's getting old. And if he comes in her lifetime, just, there's a lot of things that I'm not going to experience, right? It's just, it's, it's going to close up. My, I'm not, I'm not going to have my driver's license. I'm not going to get married. I'm not going to have kids. All these things, you know? But it's a good thing to live in the expectation of the return of Christ. Because when we realize that there's going to happen, something's going to happen, and there's going to be no time for repentance... There's going to be no time for reconciliation. I'm going to keep short accounts. I'm not going to have aught between me and my brother. I'm not going to be tearing down the church. I'm going to be building up the kingdom. In a moment, the twinkling of an eye. And I'm I'm not, you know, again, saying that there's necessarily something there, but I just don't want to be found engaged in something that I wouldn't be okay with Jesus. Not that he doesn't know already, but I certainly don't want to be standing there bare before him with that in my life. I want to get that straight. Remember that when you're making your selections for your media. Remember that, fellas, when you're sitting down and you're booting up your computer. An expectation of the return of Jesus is a motivation for the spread of the gospel. You see, we we read through the book of Acts, and it is an exciting, exciting time in the life of the church, to be sure. And we see the church just forging forward in epic measures. Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 being saved. You know, I've got to get this off my chest. Can I do that? There's this meme floating around on Facebook right now, and it shows the big, the big stadium full of people. And it says, this is how the church looks when you tell people what they want to hear. And then there's this crusty little church underneath it, and there's about five people sitting in the pew and says, this is what it looks like when you tell the truth. Can I tell you that's not scriptural at all? The word says you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. The word says that you will preach through the foolishness of preaching. People will be saved. You know, when we say, when we say that this is what it looks like when you tell the truth, we're countering the word of the Lord that says his word won't return to him void without accomplishing the purpose that it was sent to do. I mean, sometimes the house is empty because we are more concerned about people embracing our tradition than we are about them embracing our truth. But Jesus says this, 
This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. A very familiar passage of scripture for all of you this morning. And I know it's familiar for you because I quote it on a near weekly basis. Some of you think it's the only scripture I know. The rest of you learned John 3.16 as a kid. I learned Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But sometimes we don't back up and consider the larger context of that verse. We just simply put it out there. But the disciples came. We mentioned earlier the ascension of Christ. This is in that same passage. The disciples came to Jesus at the time of his ascension. And they asked some of the same questions that we always want to know. Oh Lord, what's next? What what is next on your prophetic timetable? And can I tell you, there is nothing next on God's prophetic timetable that hinders the return of Christ. There's there's nothing there that inhibits in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Nothing that hinders, nothing that holds that back. But they're there and they're asking Jesus and they're saying, Lord, will you at this time establish your kingdom? You see, that's why a lot of his followers had followed him in the first place. is because they thought he was the Messiah who was going to come and overturn the Roman government and establish God's kingdom and the, the, the Israelite kingdom was going to be restored here on earth. They didn't understand all of the spiritual aspect of it. They said, Lord, will you at this time restore your kingdom? And Jesus replied to them in this way, and this is the immediate preceding verse from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the season that the Father set in place. In other words, what Jesus says to them is you're asking the wrong question. You're, You're, as we say here in the South, you're barking up the wrong tree. You know, you've got all these eschatological questions about the end of time, but you're focused on the wrong thing. And then he continues and says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Church, I'm gonna tell you, we live in a time when it's short. The windows of opportunity are closing for the spread of the gospel. And we need to be faithful in the discharge. And I'm telling you, if you live with that expectation, if we live with that expectation as a church, then how we serve is going to be challenged. How we invest is going to be challenged. How we feel about sharing the gospel with this community is going to be challenged because we're going to live with the expectation that at any moment... Oh, you're not going to need three to five years to build a relationship with somebody before you can say, hey, do you know Jesus? Has he changed your life? Because the last thing that you want to do as you're leaving this earth is to look in the face of that neighbor, to look in the face of that friend with whom you did not share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, I don't want that to be my parting thought. Some people have asked for a little hang time so they can taunt everybody else who didn't believe. 
I think everybody else that didn't believe that's left here ought to be the most grievous thing on our minds. We don't, we don't need to tell anybody they were wrong. We need to be on our face weeping for God and saying, God, help us. Empower us, Lord, to help to show them what's right. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your presence, oh God. Anoint us to carry this word in Winterville, in Greenville, North Carolina, in this region, in this state, across the nation, and to partner with people who are carrying this word all across the world. I want to invite you to stand this morning. Our time here has expired this morning, and I just want to leave you with this one last thought. chief thing that should be challenged in your life regarding an expectation of the Lord's return is the condition of your own heart. Are you ready? Are you ready for the Lord's return? I'd like to say as I look at you that you all look well and healthy and you've got plenty of time. But the truth of the matter is, I just don't know. No man knows the time that the Father has set in his hand. But all we know is we have today. We have this moment. And we have this time. In the Word, it says, today is the day of salvation. Say not tomorrow reason for that is honestly we just don't know if it'll ever get here I'm not trying to scare you this morning because I know whatever I do to get you to come to faith I've got to I've got to maintain to keep you in faith I don't want you to be motivated by fear I want you to be motivated with the understanding that Jesus loves you so much God is not slack concerning his promises as men count slackness but he's patient not willing that anyone should perish but all should come to repentance every head bowed and every eye closed I simply want to ask you this morning if you'd say pastor right now in this moment I just feel the witness of the Holy Spirit in my life Maybe you're watching online and you're saying, man, there's something just resonating with me in this moment. I feel a tug in my heart. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you to repentance, drawing you to new life in Christ, drawing you to an eternal hope in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, you'd say, Pastor, would you pray with me? Would you just slip a hand up wherever you are? Thank you. Thank you. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. God, it is truly so wonderful. We thank you for the opportunity that's ours to have these moments together to be encouraged in your word 
God, I pray over everyone under the sound of my voice, be it, be it that they're in this room or in the first service or watching online now, Lord. If they're alive in you, if they are that new creation, Lord, help us to live with the anticipation and the ardent expectation that you are coming again, that your return is imminent. Lord, help it to undergird our decision-making processes. Lord, help that expectation propel us into the mission field wherever we find it. As Pastor Lisa spoke, maybe it's in the marketplace. As Glenn spoke, maybe it's in the foreign country. Maybe it's in the workplace. Maybe it's in our own family. But God, use it in our lives for the advantage of the kingdom. Father, I pray right now for everyone, Lord, that maybe isn't sure that they're ready for your appearing. God, would you just continue to deal with their hearts, Lord? Continue to draw them by the power of your Holy Spirit. Bless and minister. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.